Hi, and welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast. I'm your host, Linda Cardamus, and we're here to give you the ideas and inspiration you need to overcome your teaching challenges and make a lasting difference in your students' hearts and lives. Today, I want to talk about the secret to a balanced life as a teacher. And I don't know about you, but I find teaching to be exhausting. Even in the best of circumstances, it takes so much out of us. But if we're not careful, before we know it, it can take over our entire lives. We can find ourselves working on schoolwork constantly and yet never feeling caught up. Uh, We bring home work and feel guilty for neglecting our family. Or if we choose to let the work go and spend time with our family, then we feel guilty for not finishing all of our grading. It's just simply too overwhelming. And you might even find yourself wondering if you can keep teaching. If that's you, I want you to know that you are not alone. I talk to teachers all the time. So many people are right where you are, fighting to stay afloat and maybe even losing the battle for any type of semblance of work-life balance. And incidentally, in many of these cases, the result within a few years is burnout and, and just not being able to stay in the teaching profession. So while this is a super common problem, so many people are just so overwhelmed, yet by some miracle, there are other teachers who somehow seem to have it all together. You've seen them, right? They seem to always leave work at a reasonable hour without dragging home a truckload of papers to grade. And yet, they're still amazing. They're great teachers. So you might be wondering, how on earth do they do it? And is there something wrong with me that I can't? Well, the good news is that there's nothing wrong with you. The problem is that teaching has become so overwhelmingly demanding. And there's more and more demands and expectations that seem to be put on us as teachers every single year. But while the problem, thankfully, isn't with you, the problem is the demands, the solution is with you. You don't have to be a victim of these overwhelming demands. If those other teachers have found a way to leave by four and still be effective, there must be a way that you can do it too. Well, I'll be honest with you. I was a leave-by-four teacher myself, and after my first year, I rarely took home more than a small stack of grading when I'd given a test or had some writing to grade. But over the years, as this topic, I just see um, so many teachers struggling with this. I'll be honest, I've, I've struggled to pin down what exactly allowed me to get it all done in a reasonable amount of time. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I was always t- I was still always tired. It still took so much out of me, but I felt balanced. I didn't feel like I was going crazy. I didn't feel like I was drowning. It felt very doable, at least until the next break, right? Um, so, but I've struggled to pin down, why could I do that? What was it? And is it something that I can pass on to others? Uh, like, what? what is it that allowed me to get things done in a reasonable amount of time while still being effective? And I've written a bunch of articles about work-life balance, about various elements, about time-saving tips, but the answer still felt elusive. Until now, da-da-da, I think I've 
finally narrowed it down, narrowed down this secret to two main habits. And I really do believe these are habits that pretty much every teacher who's a Now, I'm not talking about the lazy teachers, right? I'm talking about those fantastic teachers that have managed to find a semblance of work-life balance. I believe pretty much all of them practice these habits regularly, often without maybe even realizing that that's what they're doing. And the better news is that these are habits that you can develop that will finally reign in the overwhelm and get you on a path to a more sustainable, a more balanced teacher life. You ready? Here we go. The first habit is to realize that you cannot do everything. So here's the thing. The fastest path to overwhelm is somehow assuming that you can do everything that you want to do, everything your administrator wants you to do, and everything your family wants you to do. But the cold hard truth is that you can't No one can. As long as we ignore this truth and try to do everything, we will always be overwhelmed and overstressed. Why? Well, because that to-do list will never be conquered. There'll always be one more thing. Who am I kidding? There'll always be a hundred more things to do. And we'll never get it all done in time. So what do we do? Well, we have to realize our own limitations. We cannot do everything. We just can't. And it's time we embrace that truth because when we do, we can start working with that truth instead of always fighting against it and constantly losing. When you realize that every time you say yes to one thing, by default, you're saying no to something else, right? We only have so much time. So if I say yes to one thing, by default, I'm meaning I don't have time for something else. When we realize that, we can start being more strategic about what we say yes to. So if I can't do everything, I start realizing that I need to say no to some things that, while potentially worthwhile, won't have as big of an impact as other more important things. So as we start being more strategic, as we stop fighting our limitations, the guilt starts to fall away and we become wiser with our time. We no longer feel that we must stay up until 2 a.m. grading these research papers by tomorrow or that we have to spend hours and hours developing the most elaborate and intricate and creative lesson plans every single week. When we realize we simply can't do it all, we can stop trying to do it all. But maybe you're thinking, okay, uh, this sounds great in theory, but I still have to teach. I mean, I can't walk into the class without lesson plans. I can't simply not grade grade my tests. You know, how on earth is this supposed to work? Well, I'm glad you asked because realizing you can't do any do everything is just the first step, albeit a very necessary one. The second habit is where the magic happens. You ready for it? Habit number two, teachers who have found balance are constantly, uh, they stop saying I have to and start asking how can I? Let me say that again. If you want to find balance, you have to stop saying, I have to do this, do this, do this, and start asking, how can I? 
So if you're struggling to find work-life balance, you probably find yourself often saying, I have to. Whether it's, I have to grade all my students' papers, or I have to put together this fun creative activity, or I have to write all my own assessments, or whatever it is in your case. There's probably a whole list. Uh, your, your list of these I have tos is probably a mile and a half long. And you figure it's just the way it is. You just got to do what you got to do, right? But those teachers who have finally found balance approach everything quite differently. Instead of saying, I have to do whatever, they ask, how can I accomplish the same goal in a reasonable amount of time? Behind this question is the belief that there has to be a better way. Now, contrast that with the thought of this is just what I have to do. Contrast that with there has to be a better way. And it changes everything. That belief fuels creativity and forces us to find a better solution. One that still accomplishes our goals without leaving us overwhelmed and overstressed. Let me give you just a few examples of what this looks like in practicality. So when I was asked to teach sixth grade English, I knew there'd be a bunch of writing to grade. I also knew, though, that I couldn't afford to spend hours and hours and hours and hours grading each set of essays, much less um, editing all their rough drafts for them, like my high school teachers used to do. When I was in high school, my teachers would like collect our research paper rough drafts, and they would mark all the mistakes and then hand them back to us. And I just realized, like, I there's no way I'm going to have time for that and still be effective and still have time for my family. I can't do everything, remember? This is founded on that belief. I can't do everything. So I have got to find a way to grade well in a reasonable amount of time. So I thought about my goals. Okay, what are my goals? First, I want my students to learn to edit their own papers and correct their own mistakes. That's more valuable to them than me editing it. Then when it comes to grading, I want to provide valuable feedback for them that not only explains their grade so they know why they got the grade they got, but also highlights for them both what they did well and what needs improvement. So I want to give them good feedback, but it can't take forever. I don't have time to write a paragraph or two paragraphs on every paper. So now that my goals were clarified, I can ask the all-important question, how can I accomplish these goals without it taking forever? And after thinking about it, here's what I came up with. Well, for the editing, I came, I created checklists that helped the students rewrite and edit their own papers. So I didn't collect and edit it for them. I created a checklist that allowed them to edit it. So that saved me a ton of time and also made the learning process better for them. Then for grading, I used these same checklists. So the same checklist they used to rewrite and edit their paper, I turned them into the grading sheet. So I would simply circle areas that needed improvement and put smiley faces or check marks next to areas that were well done. And I put a key at the top of the paper, the grading sheet, the checklist, right, that would explain to them what these, you know, what a circle meant, what a smiley face meant, etc. So then, so that saved a ton of time. I didn't have to really write any notes because I had a list of everything I wanted to see in the paper and I simply circled things that weren't good and put smiley faces by all the things they did well. So I hardly had to write 
any notes at all. Then, rather than wasting time trying to finagle the math of a rubric, right? You're like, I know the student deserves a B plus on this paper. Okay, I've got to somehow make all these numbers add up to a B plus. Rather than doing that, I simply gave them the grade I knew they'd earned, and I and I never had any problem with this because all of the feedback from circling and smiley faces easily justified their grade. The result, well, of course, I still had to dedicate time to grade writing, right? This didn't eliminate the task, but it was no longer an overwhelmingly time-consuming task. I was able to get them done in a reasonable amount of time, and my students got great feedback. Oh, and of course, they learned how to rewrite and edit too. It was truly a win-win. Here's another example. You know, Let's talk about administrative tasks in this next example, because sometimes our I have to's are self-inflicted, right? In other words, we have our own mind, we have it in our own minds that we have to do something a certain way because our teachers did it, because that's how we were taught to do it, because that's how the teacher next door does it, whatever it is, right? Uh, We have it in our own mind and we have to challenge those assumptions. But other times these I have to's come from administrative requirements. So here's the thing. Just because you're required to do something doesn't mean you can't ask the how can I question. In fact, it's probably even more important for you to ask the how can I question to requirements that you have no control over. Here's an example. So back in the day, uh, when we when I first started teaching, whenever we had a student that was absent, we were given a physical sheet of paper that we were supposed to fill in with what the student missed in our class. We were supposed to write down and, and like what they were supposed to do to make it up. So with over 100 students, this happened all the time. And since I was required to do it, right, there was no way around the requirement I had to come up with a system that streamlined the task. I just didn't have time because I can't do everything, remember? I didn't have time to hand write out for every single student what we did in class and what their homework was. So I asked the question. I asked, how can I fulfill this requirement? The requirement was letting my students know what they missed as quickly as possible. Well, the answer I came up with was quite simple. I would print out my one-page summary of the week's lesson plans. Uh, This included a list of what we did in class as well as the homework. I had it in my lesson plans. I would simply print it out and staple it to the back of the sheet. It took less than a minute, and it was done. And it accomplished the entire task. It perfectly fit what my administration needed from me, uh, but in a creative way that took way less time. And you can do that with so many things uh, that are required by administration. You need to do them, but often you can find a way to do what you need to do um, that might not be immediately apparent, that works for you and works for them. A final example, uh, lesson planning. You know, lesson plans can be a huge time suck. We feel pressured, either by ourselves or by administration, to produce plans with much more detail than we actually need to teach well. But let's not be deterred. We know the goal of lesson planning is to clarify what we're going to do in class and produce a document that organizes everything, right? So we can, so we know, we plan what we're going to do, we know what we're going to do, we remember what we're going to do, and we can clearly communicate to anyone else what's happening, right? So the question is, how can we accomplish this goal quickly without wasting time? So if you are spending hours a week on lesson planning, this answer will vary depending on your situation. 
but it will certainly include cutting back to the bare minimum any elements of your lesson plan template that don't actually help you. You know, for example, my actual lesson plans were often pared down to something like this. I'll I'll say it out loud here. Uh, Objective, solve one-step equations. Opener, practice exercise number three. Class, go over homework, notes 3.4, start practice A. Homework, finish practice A. That's all I had on my actual lesson plan. Now, of course, there was more that went into the planning. I had to actually prepare the notes. I had to prepare the practice. And I had to plan the homework. But I didn't write out a million details, long sentences. Uh, you know, I didn't type out paragraphs and pound paragraphs of what I was going to do. I pared it down to the bare essentials because that was all I needed to be prepped and ready to go. Now, yours may look totally totally different than that, that's not the point. The point is to push yourself to stop doing work that serves no purpose. So that means if you're required to include a certain section on your lesson plans that doesn't actually help you much, you got to do it, but write the bare minimum and assume it's fine unless and until your admin tells you otherwise. So um, pare things down, ask, how can I do this more quickly? How can I meet this requirement in a shorter amount of time? I hope that these ideas um, are, are starting to give you a vision for how revolutionary these two habits can be. I could give more and more examples and we could be here forever, but the truth is that every every situation is different, right? Every teacher is in different spots and there's literally hundreds of areas that we could talk through uh, where we can ask this question. But I hope you're getting the vision that when you realize you can't do everything and then you start asking, how can I do this in less time? to literally everything. So all those areas that we, you know, if we had time, we could go into all of them. Uh, but if you do that, if you start asking, how can I, real? if you realize I cannot do everything, so how can I do this in less time? Or maybe even, do I even need to do this at all? Uh, you'll be amazed how much time you start saving in your day. But here, here is the rub. When you're already stressed, overwhelmed, and over busy, you might not have the mental bandwidth you need to come up with these type of creative solutions. You know, when you're in survival mode, this type of deep thinking, you know, sitting down and thinking, you know, how can I do this? It might feel like a luxury that you can't afford. That's why I'm thrilled to recommend my friend Angela Watson's 40-Hour Teacher Workweek Club, which is actually open for early bird enrollment starting today. Uh, In this program, Angela has asked the how can we question over and over and has come up with a ton of amazing practical ideas to streamline basically everything. So what I just said we don't have time to do in this one podcast, she has done in this program. When you join the club, you'll be getting tried and true solutions that thousands of teachers are using in their classroom every day. Solutions that will help you let go of your I have tos and start embracing the solutions found in how can I. But this is great without all the struggle of coming up with the ideas yourself. So if you'd like to find out more about the program, you can head to teachfortheheart.com slash 40hourteacher. That's teachfortheheart.com slash 40hourteacher. 
future. As I said, it is open for early bird enrollment uh, starting now, and I believe it will be open through about the first week of January is when the club closes so that everyone can go through the program together and support each other. If you have any questions about the program, please feel free to reach out to Linda at teachfortheheart.com. But whether you join the program or not, I do hope that you will start asking yourself, how can I? And that you'll start seeing the power that comes from thinking creatively. Hopefully, uh, you'll soon find yourself leaving by four and without that overflowing teacher bag of guilt. Let's pray for a moment here. I want to just want to take this moment and pray with you guys, and then I'll leave you with a few um, announcements. Father, thank you so much for these teachers and just the hard work that they do every day with their passion for their students. They wouldn't be here if they didn't care, if they didn't want to keep teaching. And I know that so many teachers are overwhelmed, and I pray that you will you will guide them. I pray that first of all, they will trust in you, that they will rely on you above all else, and that you will be their strength and their portion. And um, I also pray that you will guide them to solutions that will help them have a more balanced life, that will help them experience the rest and the the cycles of rest and work that you've designed for us. And this that will allow them to be successful and to be effective, not only as a teacher, but also in their other important roles that you've given them, family roles, ministry roles. I just pray that you will, will strengthen them in this area and encourage them uh, for the week ahead. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you'd like to check out this article or share it with others, you can find all the notes from this article at teachfortheheart.com slash balance secret. That's teachfortheheart.com slash balance secret. As we said before, you can find out more about the 40-Hour Teacher Workweek Club at teachfortheheart.com slash 40hourteacher. And if you have enjoyed this podcast, you can help us a lot by either leaving a review on iTunes or simply telling your teacher friends about it. You can do both of those at teachfortheheart.com slash podcast. Thank you guys again so much for being here. I look forward to speaking with you again soon, although it might not be till after Christmas. In the meantime, keep growing, keep striving. You really are making a difference.